All right, welcome to another episode of Powerhouse Conversations brought to you by Dream Big Sports, uh, the home of the best podcast for athletes looking to leverage technology to power their per personal brand. This is episode 39, and today we'll be having our special guest, esports brand builder and strategist, Rebecca Longwa, with Happy Warrior. With over 20 years of experience in sports and marketing and innovation, Rebecca is a master connector and a networker. Highly regarded as a maven in the in, in the esports industry, she is the founder of esports consultancy firm Happy Warrior. Her client work includes helping pro sports teams monetize their organizations through brand uh, partnerships and growth strategies, and working with creative and media agencies to bring their their brand accounts to esports e uh, e ecosystems. Uh, hi, Rebecca, and hi. how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, rounding out the week. Uh, we were right in the middle, so uh, it's, it's going pretty good starting out the month. Um, just trying to get everything going and, um, you know, just keep it going. It's September. I can't even believe it. It feels like we didn't even have an August. Yeah. Yeah. August went by pretty fast. So that was that was a little a little weird. Um, but no, we're, we're, sh we're shooting through the, uh, the 2022. Um, so how, how's, how's your, uh, how's your, how was your summer? I guess I should ask. It was busy. I think, um, I think my strategy for next summer is going to be like, just say no, like mm -hmm. just say no to traveling and just saying no to like going and speaking on land, like live events, which I mean, I'm glad they're back, but right. I, um, I live in Minnesota. I have a lake house right on the water, me and my kids. And I feel like I didn't, um, I didn't get to enjoy it. Like I, I have the last couple of years, you know, COVID was, um, uh, it was a, there were some silver linings, one of them being home with my kids all the time and being able to enjoy this, uh, this beautiful lake. But this summer, and I mean, I went to DreamHack Dallas, uh, Overwatch tournament, uh, some Call of Duty live events in New York, um, and uh, I mean Chicago. I was, was in Edmonton, Vancouver, Toronto. Like it's just been the like the esports world is back, and LAN is back. It's booming. So pretty busy. Pretty busy. That's great. So tell us about Happy Warrior. Um, and, you know, just give us a little foundation of, of how yeah. it started. So Happy Warrior actually started in working with traditional um, sports athletes and entertainers. It was, um, it, it kind of grew from my experience working in the NBA with the Timberwolves and Lynx and um, having players kind of consistently coming to me um, or their family members or their agents trying to figure out how to monetize their personal brand in a in in a time in which technology was evolving quite rapidly right so think about um mid to you know 2010 to 2014 type of a um time frame social media was growing really quickly and players were really leaning in on creating their personal brands without them really coining those terms right they connecting in a more intimate way and, and giving their fans the opportunity to see them um, in a more intimate light um, and engaging with them. I was seeing traditional pro athletes 
social media grow quicker than the team's social media accounts because the teams at that time weren't really putting strategy behind it. But players, the players who were really able to rise above the noise were the ones who were consistent with generating content and engaging. Um, so I was having, you know, um, players reach out to me, um, some of their family members reaching out to me. Um, I, I just made the leap into building out a consultancy and mm -hmm. leaving, um, leaving full-time pro sports to um, kind of go out on my own and, and really help uh, these, these men and women figure out how they can bring in um, incremental revenue mm -hmm. that agents ne weren't necessarily going after. You know, if you, if you think about where you're viable, it's maybe where you went to college, where you grew up and the team that you're playing for. Um, and so for players that were playing here in Minnesota, um, there, there was some low hanging fruit that I was able to, to help them figure out, um, as well as, you know, working on, on a number of other things like events. And so I kind of built out an LLC, tried to be nimble, um, work with, some athlete clients, some ad agencies on throwing events for them. Um, I worked with a production company on a show with former wrestler and, and Minnesota governor, Jesse Ventura, um, worked um, uh, through a production studio house on that project. Um, but yeah, I mean, Happy Warrior really, it was, it was created um, as a way for me to lean in and add value to people that I was engaging with that I really cared about, that I liked, that I enjoyed being around and um, was, you know, really wanting to help them um, through the, through the things that I had learned. And gotcha. then the pivot, <clears throat> the pivot to being really a hundred percent esports happened when COVID happened. I was already working in esports a bit, but when COVID hit, um, I just kind of changed up the narrative because I believe in leaning into innovation and leaning in where you have the best, you know, um, opportunity for success. So I kind of I kind of flipped the script to being more about esports um, brand building than uh, traditional sports. Long gotcha. Long no, that, that that makes sense. But I do want to dive into. I, Obviously, the pandemic, um, right? Mm -hmm. It it it, it uh, created this happy medium. This uh, everybody's in the house. Everybody's, uh, you know, uh, gaming is, you know, it, you you always got in trouble for being on the game too much, and now you you're yeah. forced to be in the house. So get, so gaming became a big thing. It was like it was already coming, and yep. then esports. Uh, I mean, then then the pandemic hit, and then now it's like okay, boom, ex explosion, right? Yep. But what? Uh, you you said you were already you know sort of doing some things in it. What drew you to esports in general? So a couple of things were kind of happening at around the same time. Um, where I, I was I was uh, chatting with a really close buddy of mine that came from traditional advertising. Uh, super smart guy had his own agency. His name is Van Horgan, and I've talked about him in, in the past on interviews. But uh, he's like OG agency, super smart kid, um, Vietnamese immigrant, uh, in his fifties, super, super hyper overwatch fan, right. And player. And he was kind of dripping overwatch knowledge into my ear and, and 
drawing, he was able to kind of draw the line between what was coming in in to the U.S. in terms of like franchised um, teams for sports and was kind of picking my brain and talking to me about what I was doing with traditional athletes and saying, hey, like there might be an opportunity here. And he was kind of exploring getting into Overwatch in some way, maybe managing players and waiting for the moment when these franchises launch because we all could see it kind of coming. Um, so I was having conversations with my buddy Van starting to like, maybe I should look into this, right? Like I'm always leaning into what's next. So doing some research there. And then at the same time, I've been um, an investment advisor for Stadia Ventures for quite a few years now. Stadia Ventures is a VC that um, builds out um, cohorts okay. of, um, of, of talented startups that, that they mentor. And they do that every six months. And it's kind of like a pitch event, very centered around entertainment and sports technology. And I was an advisor with them. So um, I already had Van in my ear talking about Overwatch. I'm like doing a little bit of research. I'm, you know, reading newsletters, subscribing to Esports Observer and Esports Synopsis Esports and like starting to consume some information about the industry and do, you know, looking at videos of, you know, League of Legends happening over in, in, you know, some live events happening overseas that are just like mind blowing. Right. So I was already like onto it, but then what was happening is we started getting it through Stadia esports tech startups applying for mentorship and funding. Mm -hmm. That for me was like the big moment of saying, okay, if these startups are getting vetted out by some of the absolute top investors in the United right. States, and they're wanting to take a serious look at this, now my spidey senses are going up, right? Like right. Um, that, that Gary V go, you know, do the thing that other people aren't necessarily the most comfortable yet, because if you can, if you can learn that you provide more value, right? Um, than, than people who wait for it to become viable. Um, I, um, I can't remember the name of the author, but I heard this author speak at a conference um, in Miami this spring that said, it's, you know, it's a risk to follow a, a slow trickling stream but slow trickling streams often lead to raging rivers. And for me, um, I feel like I was able to um, see that potential of a raging river with esports. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of felt like I was shouting it from the rooftops and people were like, eh, for a while. When COVID happened, it wasn't like, I mean, the industry grew a little bit quicker maybe than it would have. Some people debate that it was already on a pretty upward trajectory, right. but the narrative in mainstream media is really what shifted mainstream media. First of all, didn't have anything to write about from a sports beat type of a scenario, but also they, they were scrambling to figure out what were people doing in their house. And there was a study that, right. that, the, like the top five things people were doing was like gardening, making sourdough bread, watching Netflix, like playing video games and 
you know, uh, and doing like outside extracurricular activities like biking and hiking and, and camping. So, you know, esports was there. It was definitely part of the narrative. Um, and it's not like I knew everything. I still don't know everything. It was, I'm willing to dive and be all in. And mm -hmm. if an opportunity presents itself for me to work with an account or a client in this realm, I know I have super strong skill sets in branding, marketing, sales partnerships that I can draw from and inform onto this industry. Um, and, and I was willing to literally get up. I mean, I didn't have, I didn't have work for three months. Like many, many people didn't have any work, but I got up every single day and did the work for what was to come, yeah. you know? So I think that definitely is, um, I've talked to a lot of other people that were in a similar situation. And I think that differentiator was like getting up and having calls and not having any, any money tied to anything, but like having every single discovery call, every single phone call, helping people figure things out and, you know, putting money aside and trusting that it'll come eventually, you know, so. Yep. Doing the work and laying the foundation, right? Like investing in your, in yourself and in your business from a, you know, monetary and from a, just a, a time standpoint, putting in the sweat equity um, and, um, and, you know, being prepared to, you know, grow, grow your brand from that perspective. Um, yeah. I think that, that, that trend, that trends uh, goes into the next question of, you know, how can, how can these athletes or these, you know, these esports athletes, uh, you know, what can they do to start building their personal brand and, and, and grow, grow their personal brand? Yeah. You know, I mean, we could talk for like three hours about building a personal brand and, and really leaning in there. Um, and when I'm, I'm going to talk about athletes as esports athletes, but also, um, entertainers and traditional athletes that are interested yep. in getting into gaming as well, because I think yep. it's extremely important for them to look at this as an avenue in which they can grow their presence as mm -hmm. um I, I always talk to traditional athletes who are interested who are already playing games anyways who are interested in this space as it's another digital marketing strategy that you just loop in and layer into everything else that you're doing but there's a lot of things to take into consideration so um creating good content a lot of people talk about having content that, you know, stands above and is good. That's definitely one thing, but consistency is really the, the, the biggest factor. Um, because a lot of times people will hold themselves back, especially on the traditional side of sports or the like musician entertainer side, they are nervous that they're not good enough. Like they don't play good enough. Mm -hmm. um, to to show their live stream or they don't have enough knowledge to share to, sh to be on their live stream. It's not necessarily about being the best. It's about being um, an entertainer. Just like right. as a traditional athlete, your job isn't to necessarily win games. Like, obviously, you're already an elite talent. Your job's to, like, sell tickets. Your job's to connect with the fans. Your job is to be an entertainer. You know, your job is to have memorable moments. It's it's the same in, in the gaming ecosystem. So if you're going to start streaming, um, being consistent have, in doing that on a consistent basis, 
the the traction will come and you have to believe in your own um you know your bravado your personality to shine but it doesn't come without risks i mean if you take a look at myers leonard um streaming killed his career because he used a racial slur you know a anti-semitic slur i guess um in a live stream and it not only killed his career as a streamer but he was released from the nba so you got to make sure that you know the trash talk you do on a field or on a court is oftentimes only heard from people within earshot you're getting on a stream if you can't control yourself right. then you probably shouldn't be a streamer if right. you have a tendency to use toxic language or language that is you know discriminatory in any way right. and you haven't been able to self-correct that Maybe it was part of your upbringing. Maybe your crew talks that way and the people you surround yourself with are like that. Like, I get that. Then don't get into a space where you're always on for six hours a day because right. you can't present yourself in a respectable manner. You'll get skewered in this space, right? So it doesn't right. come without risk, right. but the reward is quite high. So, right. you know, you have to do a little bit of digging. And then just like any personal brand, building out, I like to talk about the four pillars of building your foundation. What mm -hmm. are those, what are the key things about you that are gonna help a brand? Cause you shouldn't do, I mean, you, you should take into consider the ability to monetize if you're gonna lean in and invest that time, right? So how can a brand learn all about you quite quickly from either scrolling through your Twitter, your Instagram, or engaging with your content on a platform like Twitch or YouTube gaming? Um, you know, it's about thinking about what your pillars are. You as an athlete, whether you're a traditional athlete or you're uh, a competitor in, in video game industry, um, is like one bucket. And then what are the other four things that you really want? Is it, what are you doing in the community? Um, what, what, what is, what is your purpose in life and your passion? And then are you willing to share a little bit about your personal life, your family, maybe your wife or husband, your children, your friends, and then your other hobbies? Like what are the other things that like make you you? And how can you bring those forth so that people get a full picture and brands get a full picture of, you know, like what makes you marketable to them? Um, I always like to think about um, where success is, is like repeatable moments or repeatable um, things that are about about you. Like, so Kevin Garnett, for example, Kevin Garnett with the clapping the hands of the chalk at, at the broadcast desk. And I guess LeBron kind of copied that, but K, KG was the OG of that moment. And then um, at the two minute mark, when they announced the two minutes, KG would go to every corner of Target Center and, and yep the crowd up he'd lift his arms lift his arms lift his arms he wouldn't stop wouldn't wouldn't stop until the energy lifted and that carried him through right um that's what makes kevin garnett a legacy those those repeatable memorable expected moments in gaming if you take a look at ninja tyler blevins ninja it's the Band, it's the, it, it, you know, it's like the bandana, it's the blue hair, it's the bright colored hair, it's the high pitched voice, it's the, you know, boy next door doing the thing, 
kind of, you know, innocence of who he is, um, that, that people picture him, people literally picture him with the blue hair, all spiked up with the, you know, ninja bandana on. That's how people think of him, right? It creates memorable moments. He's not the best Fortnite player in the world, right? We saw that when he competed in Booga one, but he's created a repeatable moment, repeatable moments and, and a brand around himself that um, people really kind of, it, it resonates with them because that's Ninja, right? Ninja's Ninja, you know what to expect. Um, you see different people who do um, vlogging that maybe the a woman always wears red lipstick or a man always is wearing the same black hat, right? It's just around thinking about how you're presenting yourself um, in in where you're kind of unrecognizable or you're you're recognizable and you're unmistakably recognizable um, to the broader community. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. Um, and that was uh, you know one of the our bigger audience um, is is uh, the it's the way athletes and in the in, in NIL space. How do you see? Um, you know, like like you said, with traditional athletes, how do you see those um, those opportunities mixing and and having some overlap for partnerships? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's all about doing things um, that are really true to you. Mm-hmm. If you're not a gamer, right. probably you know shouldn't try to just pretend to be one or force your way into the space because it's a trend. Um, I've talked to athletes who are really into, um, you know, you really go to like, what is your hobby, right? Right. I've talked to athletes that are really into like hunting or fishing and um, lean into creating content around that. Um, and Twitch, you can create any type of content on Twitch. It's a live streaming platform, right? Um, you see, you see talent like uh, Dylan Francis um, doing concerts on Twitch during during COVID, right? Um, there's there's a lot of talent that was that was leaning in and doing like live DJ sets on on Twitch, which is dope. Like, what is it that you have to share to the world? Your unique voice, um, and I will say. Like, because I've worked with athletes since I was 19, so many of them, the only thing that holds them back to growing their brand is their fear of judgment, of not being the best at something and trying something new. I mean, I don't know how many golf tournaments that I've worked on where we're trying to get athletes to come for like Masonic Children's Hospital and they're nervous. They don't want to come because they're not really good. And it's like, it's a charity event. People don't care if you're good. They want a picture with you and it's a best ball and someone else is going to hit it farther. And like, it's not about that, you know? So you die, die to yourself a little bit um, and be willing to like try something new and be a hundred percent authentic to who you are because that, that comes across. Not everybody's comfortable being, in front of the camera all the time, but every athlete I've ever worked with has had a lot of media training and they do know how to share what they think and and talk. So um, I think it comes down to, um, first of all, consuming content, 
and taking a look at people who are doing things like Demontre Moore is doing some super cool stuff in the space and in, in um, creating content on Twitch. Saquon Barkley is doing some cool things. Um, uh, Trevor May, um, pitcher, um, he's doing some really cool content. Like just start consuming content and reaching out to people that look like you, right? So reach out to another athlete, whether you know them or not. Like I would say in this industry, in esports specifically, people are so willing to share like ideas and to bring you alongside, like co-stream, do some fun things, get involved in, in some charity tournaments, uh, reach out to St. Jude and, and get into some of the St. Jude or Leukemia and Lymphoma Society or Be The Match type of content, you know, lean it back like into purpose-driven things where, you know, you're making a difference. And um, and there's a lot of people out there like Exposure um, out of Dallas who have a team that can help you figure out how do you set up a, uh, your setup from scratch, right? Like they will walk you through what what's the list of things you need how do you set up a stream how do you get started um there's there's resources out there you know that that can help these guys and guys and girls to get their um to get their brand started in the space but i i think it's it's part of a broad digital and social strategy um you know just like facebook is not really relevant anymore um, some other things are going to go away. I mean, if, first of all, from an NIL perspective, I would, I would get into TikTok way before I would try to start streaming for hours and a time on Twitch, right? Like you got to go where the iron is really, really hot. Um, so, you know, getting involved in one-off events through Twitch would be an amazing way to get started and feel it out and see if it's for you before you like lean in and create your own entire profile and page um but you know tiktoks tiktoks where it's at and if you're gonna be producing content on twitch you should probably leverage some technology that helps you slice that up and then feed it through the other format so youtube um clips um instagram reels tiktok in, you know that you should really think about having somebody on your on your staff, um, even if it's part time college student who's really excited about. You know, when I worked with Ricky Rubio, we had we had Elizabeth, right? Um, and she was in college for marketing at the University of Minnesota, and and she helped with a ton of things for yeah. for Ricky. You know, um, she you know you bring in some of those some of those interns and and get them the experience that they're wanting and that life experience that they're wanting, but also they're, they're young sub- subject matter experts that can really help um, manifest some big things for you and do the legwork. Yeah. I think that's a big, a big area of opportunity for some of these like college athletes, like build out your team early um, and utilize the, you know, your peers on campus um, to get some, you know, they're going to get experience. You know, they're always, you know, College kids are always looking for okay internship or something like that. Create your own internship. Go go go. Uh, you know, go do the work for this, this whatever big time athletes that's on campus. 
and mm-hmm. that's your experience right there. So when you get out of college, you've already done a lot of the, the stuff that, that uh, you know, they're going to be wanting you to do. Um, right. But you, you did it and you created it on your own. So I think that's a, a huge opportunity. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're at a, I would say if you're at a large campus, take a look at the broader community and mm-hmm. and maybe reach out to uh, a more boutique um, school, an art school that has, mm-hmm. you know, graphic design and social media marketing and project management, make yourself a project. Yeah. Like literally think about yourself as a project. Too many, I will just caution, this is the mom, this is the, the mom in me. Too many athletes that I've seen over the years tap into their friends growing up and their family members to manage things that they don't have any business managing for you. And it's hard because they want to lift up the people around them. But I will say, imagine standing on your kitchen table and you're on top of the world. Is it easier for you to lift up your buddy from elementary school that maybe in high school that doesn't have the skills that you need done, you're going to pull them onto that table and put them in charge of your brand or put them in charge of your marketing strategy or put them in front of your finance, in charge of your finances. Is it going to be easier for you to lift them all the way onto that table? Or is it going to be easier for them to drag you down and get distracted? Right. right. You, you got that pull. You're you're going to tumble. That's a, that's a tough one. That's a really, really hard thing. And I would say, number one, if you're even in college and you think that there's an opportunity for you to monetize while you're still in college, you need to find yourself a fiduciary, a wealth management firm that is a true fiduciary, not just a wealth manager, a fiduciary, and start there and then build a team around that build a team yep. around that, vet some people out. And they can be college students. And I think they, I think you probably would get the biggest bang for your buck on college students. But yep. if you got a, if you got somebody in your ear saying they're going to do it for free, run. Because the quality is going to be free. You get what you pay for. You know, pay somebody a flat retainer for a month, for each month. Start with a three-month contract. See if they're getting this stuff done. Yep. You're in control of what gets pushed live. Right. Don't give anybody access to your handles, but give them give them, you know, the opportunity to create your posts and put them into um, a digital platform. And you're the one who is approving those and pushing those live. You're in charge of your brand, at least when you're young Um, and you have somebody you can truly trust. But um, you don't want somebody in having control of your DMs and all those other things. That's where a lot of risk. You got to mitigate your risk wherever you can. But, um, you know, really being strategic and thinking of yourself as a business. I look at players that I was even friends with in college over the years and, and later that really missed out on the opportunity that is at the fingertips of so many athletes right now. So, you know, think of yourself as a business. You are the CEO of your business. You are the business. Your brand is the business. So you're going to want to hire the best with skills. And, um, and as you grow and as you get contracts and as you renew contracts, you re- replace those people with people that have bigger skills and more experience, you know, but you don't need to start with the, with the, 
biggest budget off the gate, you know? Right. No, and I think that's that's uh, that's a good point for the ones that are you know making making money because they're they're beginning to make money. So yeah, uh, take you know a lot of these kids are gonna going going to you know get that money and and just splurge and spend it. But to your point, re if you look at yourself as a business, then you should reinvest in that business mm -hmm. by getting some top uh, some top talent um, to help manage your business. Yeah, you don't you don't just because oh who told me this. Okay, John Thomas, who played in the NBA for a, a, quite a bit, played overseas, he told me the most thought-provoking thing, right? So he played for the Timberwolves for a while. And he was like, just because I could walk into a Louis Vuitton store with Kevin Garnett with money in my pocket and buy the same thing that Kevin bought doesn't mean I should, doesn't right. mean it's financially sound. We might have the same amount of money in our pocket as we're walking in the store, but <laughs> Kevin Garnett is the exception and I'm the rule, right? That's right. what John said. He's like, right. I will never have a career the same. So when you're a young talent, I think the hardest thing is so many rookies come into hockey, football, basketball, coming in thinking they're going to be the thing because they've always been the man, right? They've always been that they're going to be that exception. They don't want to face the emotional crisis of acknowledging that they may only be playing professionally for two to four years, right? right. But the ones who really are able to have a very happy, sound life are the ones who go in with the mindset of, I could have these things, but I don't need to have those things right now, right? Living, living lean. You don't need to compare yourself. You're not trying to be the vet when you walk in the door, you know, be a listener, be a lover of learning. Athletes who can really adopt the mindset of being a lover of learning and and carry that through life are are the ones who really are going to be successful and being okay with like you know being patient and waiting for the you know e even even if it's just a gucci overnight bag right or you know a fucking bag to put your shaving kit in like you don't need that right now right. because as somebody who's worked on the staff for an nba team when we see those boys roll up in a brand new car as a rookie and they've got, you know, the, the fresh fit and the, and the, they're logoed out from head to toe. The first thing that goes through our minds is that kid took a contract to a bank, got a advance on money that they're going to pay 30 to 40% interest rate on. We look at them like they're a fool. We're not like, Ooh, look at you. You look good. We look at you like, I've seen this since the late 1990s and I can see the Ferrari crashing straight into a wall, which is the life you're trying to live yeah. right now. You know, it always ends, ends bad from a financial perspective. It's just a hard pill to swallow. I grew up really poor. I remember like starting to have a, a job where I was bringing in money and like buying like cocktail shrimp at the grocery store and thinking I was super special, right? Like I didn't grow up with nice things. I didn't grow up being able to buy anything full price. Like 
it was like you go to the Kmart, you go to the clearance racks and you find something you can settle with. Like, I get it. Like, I get it. I grew up in a rural area in central Minnesota. My parents shared a vehicle a lot of the times. Like, I didn't have a lot either. I have to remind myself, right, like, to be mindful of consumption and am I buying things because I feel like I want to look a certain way or I'm filling a void I didn't have as a kid. Like we all go through that, you know, but um, they don't teach you that in school. They don't teach you that at rookie camp either, by the way, they don't talk about that. So um, I think it's important for, you know, the, 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 players who have been through it to continually talk about it and people like myself who have worked in sports my entire career to talk about it, to like share that insight. And a lot of people are like, well, you're wasting your breath. But I mean, I know I'm not because I've, I've heard from players that have listened to things that that myself and others have said that they've taken to heart and it's it's helped form and in, inform the way that they that they mold themselves. So if it's like, if I, if a hundred people hear it and two do it, well, that's freaking awesome because now two people have like really done some thinking about, you know, how they're going to present themselves and where they find their value. Cause you know, an athlete dies two deaths. And the first is when they lose friends and oftentimes family and, and people that they thought were there for them because of them, but were really there because, of the place that they were in, in their sports journey. And it's really hard when you identify yourself as an athlete and that's stripped away from you, whether you're injured out or your contract's not renewed. So few athletes get to leave on their own terms. You know, that's the biggest lie that little kids are told is that they're going to retire one day. You know, it's a big lie. Yeah, there's a, there's a very select few that get to leave on their own on on their own terms. Uh, like even uh, last night, Sue Bird, uh, you know, she she retired and, and finished her, her career. But that's like, a you know, a lot of people don't get to, you know, say, hey, I'm retiring and, and get to like just walk off the court and get celebrated. It's not like that for right. the majority of athletes. Yeah, it's an it's an anomaly to have that. Um, but that's what's that's what we see. Right. That's what we see day in and day out. We don't we we dismiss the rest, you know. Yeah. So I know we're 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 uh, getting to the end. I want to I wanted to ask some some questions, some rapid fire questions that we asked at at the end. But what was your favorite uh, uh, game growing up? Um, Tetris. Tetris. Okay. cool, cool. Who would be on your Mount Rushmore of, of athletes all time? Four, four athletes. Okay, how many people are on that Mount Rushmore? Four. Four. Um, this is really going to show, like, I'm going to be uh, uh, Reg, Reggie Miller. Okay. Sure. Reggie Miller. I mean, can we just put Reggie Miller, like, over over four decades? Like, I love Reggie Miller. He's my number one. Reggie Miller, um, Kevin Garnett. I'm a Minnesota okay. Love Kevin Garnett. Um, Chris Carr. Um, or not Chris Carr. Who am I thinking of? Chris, um, football Vikings. Uh, Chris Carter. Chris Carter. Yeah. Chris Carter more for my dad, because when my, when I was growing up, my dad was uh, obsessed. And then Tony Oliva, like I'm a Minnesota, I'm a Minnesota girl. Minnesota. So like 
You're going to get some Minnesota vibes mostly, but I got to throw in Reggie Miller. Like, How about that? Where did, where did the Reggie Miller come from? I, had the, I mean, I, I loved Reggie Miller when I was like a, a kid. My, my, probably my brother was probably a Reggie Miller fan. I loved Reggie Miller. I had a poster of him in my bedroom Ooh. when I was like in middle school and high school. I don't know. I just had the biggest crush on Reggie Miller. Um, and then I got to meet him when I played for the Timberwolves. He was, he, not, I didn't play for the Timberwolves. I worked for the Timberwolves. Right. He being like, you know, like a coach and around. And I was like, mm, my God, like, that's just amazing. I don't know. Yeah. I love, I just, there's something about that kid. He's just pretty phenomenal. Well, my, my friend's uh, a really big Reggie Miller fan. fan. That's, that's pretty cool. I'll tell him about that. <laughs> He's awesome. I don't know. I, I also really like, I love Dante Culpepper when he played here. I liked his energy, okay. you know, sassy. I wouldn't put him on a Mount Rushmore per se. I'm just going with my my personal Mount Rushmore. Yeah, per, yeah, of course, obviously. Best. I mean, if we're talking about like the best athletes of all time, I'm no, sure everybody, everybody's yeah, talking about you know who they think are the best athletes of all time. But yeah, yeah, no, I'm your sure. per, your personal favorite. Uh, what about your favorite business person? Who inspired you the most from a business perspective? Um. Cheryl Sandberg's up there. Okay. Um, Gary Vee's a close second. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, and what is the technology that you cannot live without? I mean, my phone. I'm yeah. An Apple, I'm an Let's Apple user. Yeah, I love my phone. I think um, my notes app in my phone okay. of like the most basic of basic things yeah. really... I have lots of lists in my notes. Okay, um, I, I, I uh, keep a lot of, of notes as well. So I, that's why I jot down all my random thoughts and ideas and things of that nature. So yeah, I'm, I'm like right, an AD, right I'm an ADHD kid. So yeah. if it's not written down, I won't remember. So yep. you know, when I'm like on the plane and things are coming to me, or I'm traveling, or laying in bed at night, I'll wake up at three in the morning and literally have a flood of ideas and i'm typing those into my into my notes my ongoing grocery checklist all the toxic revenge i want to in, in, in you know invoke on other people that's in a whole list <laughs> inspirational quotes like i've got lists on lists on lists in there cool cool well I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, what is uh, something that you would like to leave uh, the audience with uh, or anything, any advice? What, what, what do you want to leave us with? Yeah, I mean, I would say um, it doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter the, you know, the, the childhood that you had. It doesn't matter what school you went to, whether you have a degree or not. I don't have a college degree. Um, you have to believe in yourself. And you have to be surrounded by people who speak life into you. If you mm -hmm. have people in your life that are dragging you down, their lifestyles not matching up with where you want to go, um, you know, prune those people out of your life. Um, prune those negative thoughts out of your life. Believe in the vision that you have. You manifest that. Lean in and, um, you know, build the best version of yourself day in and day out. Forgive yourself when you trip up and just keep moving forward. Um, I, I, you know, I've really been blessed to, um, come from a, a father who spoke a lot of life into me and, Good. um, didn't come from a lot, but 
I'm really proud of the life that I'm building for me and my kids as a single mom. And I just keep moving forward with, you know, fortitude and grit. And, and a lot of people, you know, um, get held back based on what they think other people came from when they're accomplishing great things. Um, it, it, that all that shit doesn't matter. Just continue to, you know, move forward and be the best version of you. You can be, you know, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again. Um, let everybody know where to find you uh, and we can get out of here. Yeah. Um, Rebecca Arlangawa on Twitter, Rebecca Langawa on um, Instagram, um, Rebecca at happywarrior.us if you want to drop me an email. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much, Freddie, for having me on. Thanks again. And you all, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back next week for another episode. Thanks. Thanks, buddy.